Welcome to our Trinity Heights virtual service today. Uh, whether this is your first time joining us or whether you've been uh, a regular with us for some time. Uh, my name is Tim Kreber. I'm one of the leaders of the of the church here. And um, the next few weeks I'll be pitch hitting uh, for Stephen uh, as we kick off a new series. Um, but before before we, we start, uh, I wanted to ask you a question. And that is, are you at home? It may seem like a fairly basic question, but uh, give it some thought for a moment. Are you at home? When I was 18, fresh out of high school uh, in Birmingham, which is uh, a city in the UK, I decided I had a little interest in going to university. And instead, I decided to move to Brazil uh, and volunteer uh, primarily in the slums of Sao Paulo, teaching um, younger pre-K children. And uh, other than France, this was the first time that I had um, been uh, outside of the UK. And this was definitely the first time that I'd ever been on a plane. And I still have vivid memories of um, getting off the plane in Sao Paulo and everything was different. Uh, the food, the language, of course, uh, the weather, the buildings, the people, uh, the cars, even the smell uh, was different. I, I, I remember the slightly sweet smell uh, that was because a lot of the alcohol, uh, a lot of the cars in those days ran off alcohol and uh, it made the, the air smell sweet. And uh, this is one of the most distinct memories I have in my life where I realised uh, that I wasn't at home. Uh, sometimes you need to be away from home to really understand what home is. And I've, I felt disorientated. Uh, everything was unknown. Uh, and I, I started to long for home. I longed for the cool weather. I longed to be around family and friends. Uh, at Christmas, I wanted it to be cold and I wanted a traditional English Christmas roast. Uh, I longed to blend in, and I really longed to be understood. And this place called home started to symbolize a place of comfort and security and peace. Home started to be so much more than just where my family was. It became a place of deeper ideals and contentment. So I don't know if you can relate to that. Now, in Brazil, there were a couple of occasions, and I can think of one uh, particularly, where I found my, myself asking the question, how did I get here? How did I end up so far away from home? Now, I'm unbelievably fortunate that in my life, I've never been forced from home. It's always been a choice to leave, like when I went to Brazil. And in my time in Brazil, while it wasn't always easy, life, my whole life was, was transformed by my time there. Now, if I'm honest, if we're honest, we all have a place that we long for. That place of peace, comfort, security, safety, and maybe in the most honest and fragile moments, we found ourselves not only realising that we're far from home, but wondering how we got here and whether we're able 
ever be able to get back. How did society get this screwed up? How did the political aisle get so polarised? How do wars still rage? How did that relationship become so dysfunctional? How did that debt get so big? How did my heart get so damaged? How did we get here? And is there any hope that we can return home? Today, we're starting a new series and it's about exile. The ancient story of Israel, God's people being conquered by foreign superpowers, destroying, pillaging, killing, and then carrying many of the survivors away to foreign lands. And in these ancient pages, we read about a community of people longing for home, questioning how they ended up so far away from home and wondering if there was any hope of returning. Each week, we're going to look at different parts of the story, but today I wanted to give you the high level cliff notes. Now, my somewhat silly example of moving to Brazil all happens in a comfortable situation where I chose to do it. So it's somewhat absurd to link my experience of going away from home to the Israelite community experience of exile, but it's the best example I had and I have, but exile, uh, exile for the Israelite community not only threatened their survival, but it shook their foundation to the core. The biblical story tells us how Israel, God's chosen people, have become a decent sized nation, grown in power, formed sophisticated systems of, of culture and governance and religion. Many of us have read stories of King David conquering and reigning and then his successor, his son, King Solomon, extending Israel's influence across the Middle Eastern region during that time. And perhaps the peak of Israelite power was when Solomon had the temple built around 960 BC. And there was relative peace. But Within 30 years of this, cracks, pretty big cracks started to appear. War broke out between the tribes of Israel vying for power and the nation split into two soon thereafter. The nation of Israel on the one hand and the nation of Judah on the other. And bit by bit, the community drifted away from the covenant they had made with God. The next 200 years or so saw the steady weakening of the two nations as they waged wars against each other. Other nations in the Near East grew stronger. Israel and Judah were caught between the Egyptians in the south and the Assyrians and the Babylonians to the north. At different points in time, both the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah were invaded and they surrendered and agreed to pay tribute to their conquerors. A heavy tribute that came at high cost to the community. And both nations, again at different points in time, decided as time passed, they no longer wanted to pay these tributes 
and surrender to these foreign powers. And so they both stopped paying tribute to the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. And they incited the wrath of those more powerful nations. The Assyrians crushed Israel years later. The Babylonians crushed the nation of Judah. The Babylonians, they laid siege to Jerusalem for months, inducing massive suffering. And they ransacked the city, destroyed the temple. The survivors were carried off to these foreign lands and the poor were left behind. Now, it's, it's hard for us to get our, our heads around this sort of experience, because for most of us, it's just far from so far from our own lived experience. But let me tell you this. It was horrendous. The siege of Jerusalem may have lasted over two years. Imagine being locked inside a city, walls surrounded by an army who were ready to destroy you. Nothing came in, nothing came out. It induced great suffering. The Book of Lamentations describes women's breast milk drying up and not even being able for them to be able to feed and nurture their own babies. We read in the book of Second Kings, as uh, the Babylonians were destroying Jerusalem, how King Zedekiah of Judah escaped with a small group of people and his sons, but they were captured as they fled. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon ordered Zedekiah's sons to be killed in front of Zedekiah and then to blind Zedekiah and carry him off to Babylonia. This level of suffering and atrocity is what it what exile meant to the Israelite community. And while it seems so primitive and so ancient and so far from our experience, we only have to dig a little bit past the US-centric news to see the atrocities and unimaginable human suffering in places like Yemen right now, or particular people groups in China, where reports of forced labor, sterilization and detention camps abound. Now, back to the story of the Israelite exile Nearly 50 years of captivity go by, during which time the Persians conquered the Babylonians and then the king of Persia let the Israelites return, start to return to the land. We read in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah the gradual re-establishment of society, the rebuilding of the temple and then the rebuilding of the city walls of Jerusalem. But had the Israelites really returned home? The first stories of the Bible have a striking resemblance to the Israelite story of exile. Think about it for a minute. We read in Genesis that God created a beautiful creation and the crown jewel was humanity, which God said was very good. Humanity flourished, but Adam and Eve, just as Israel did years later, 
overstepped the boundaries laid out by God for their prospering. And they found themselves cast out of the garden into exile. In exile, Adam and Eve found suffering, hard work, pain and death. And they longed for a return to the garden. They longed to return home. You see, the image of exile in the Bible becomes not just a specific experience to the Israelites at the hands of the Assyrians and Babylonians and Persians. Exile is a far broader story, a story that symbolizes the exile of humanity, a symbol of brokenness and of the brokenness of the human condition. Now, in both exile stories of Adam and Eve and of Israel, we read of dire situations and consequences of humans straying away from the path that God had laid out. And the story of exile invites us into a world where we all ask the questions, how did we get here? How did we find ourselves outside the garden? How did we find ourselves so far from home? Is there any hope of return? For Adam and Eve, after wandering in exile, hope is found in the new covenant between God and Abraham. A path to a true return from exile. Yet hopes are dashed. It was a false dawn. For Israel, many years later, a steady return from exile saw the birthing of hope. Could this be true restoration? A true return from exile. But when they returned, they were still under foreign rule. Still a pawn in a much bigger game between global superpowers, still one move away from destruction. It's kind of like you return to your house, but not your home. How will there be a return from exile, a true return? And after the Israelite exile, the story falls silent for hundreds of years. And then one day, one day in the most unlikely of places, in the most unlikely of ways, with the most unlikely of people, Mary gives birth to a new hope. Could this finally be the one who could lead us out of exile and back home? Well, we read in the stories about Jesus that he is leading us out of exile but it doesn't entail what we necessarily want it to. It's not a return to power or control. It's actually far better than that. It's the transformation of humanity itself. Over the next few weeks, we're going to take a deeper look at some of the characters, moments and themes of Israel's exile and use them as a window into the broader questions that we all have. 
How do we get here? What does it mean to live in exile? Is there any hope that we may return home? Next week, we're going to start with the concept of lament. The way in which a community must learn to lament the state of exile as a core part of its identity and practice. And then we're going to go on and look at what it means to live well in exile by spending a couple of weeks looking at stories of first Daniel and then Esther. And then in the last two weeks of this series, we're going to take a look at the stories of Israel's return from exile, but their incomplete return. And we're going to take a quick look at Ezra and Nehemiah and what that might mean for our experience today. But for today, I want to close by revisiting the questions that living in exile bring up for all of us. How did we get here? What is your exile? What is our exile today? What does it look like? Is there any hope that we will return home? We live in a world that repeats the patterns of human dysfunction that traps all of us in exile. An exile humanity alone cannot escape. And as our society, our world, our own lives groan under the crushing pain and brokenness of exile, may we look to God, the great rescuer, to bring us home.